no, she's gone. She gets really mad when I pick her up. I understand. I get mad when people pick me up, too. That's not true. I'm usually impressed if people can pick me up. <laughs> okay, ready to do this thing? I'm ready. We're actually already recording, so we're oh, golden. <laughs> Hello. Hi, listeners. And welcome back to another episode of Saturday, Saturday the 14th. 14th. This is us, your hosts and friends. I'm Maggie. And I'm Maddie. And we're here again, as always. Just in general. We're just here again. We just like to hang out on the airwaves. Yeah, we're back, guys. Hanging out in your ears. Yeah, we're up in there. We're in your eustachian tubes. And what are we talking about today, Mags? Ooh, today we have a a topic of much contention. Uh, We are talking about Drag Me to Hell. Which I think might be my least favorite movie I've ever seen. Maddie is not a fan. And to be honest, um, some things happen in this movie that... I, I gotta come clean, though. I um, I was not paying very close attention the first time that I watched this movie. And I think I was a little bit generous with most of my interpretations of it. And uh, I don't... I think I should have maybe revisited the plot synopsis before suggesting we watch it. Because I... Like, a kitten dies in it. A kitten gets murdered. And you don't see it happen, but, like, it happens. I might just take a screenshot of some of the text messages that I sent Maggie while watching this movie. I, like, went to sleep at a certain point, and I was like, she'll just tire herself out. (laughs) And it's a boy, I just texted her in all caps, I swear to God, Maggie, if she kills this kitten. And I texted you back, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, we can do a different movie. We can do a different movie. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do Nightmare on Elm Street. We'll do one that we've already talked about before. (laughs) I was like, we can just tweet. People don't care. People don't care what we said at the end end of the last episode is fine but it was oh, too late it was too late i couldn't get there in time i was invested yeah she did text me back after the kitten had died <sighs> i forgot I, I felt like such a dick because <laughs> i totally forgot about that <gasps> oh man i mean like if there's something to not include in a movie that you're gonna watch it's like a kitten getting murdered it's true <laughs> the only especially that cute upside, kitten that looks like a baby nikolai it like does look like a baby nikolai yeah the only upside when i was thinking about this is it wasn't like a cat who she'd had like a relationship with for like no, years no it was new she clearly just gotten it cuz it was a baby yeah which I don't know if that could be considered an upside but it wasn't like she was killing something that she yeah loved. It also, uh, I'm going to be honest, like, it happened after, like, ver- like a very scary experience. So, like, I kind of, like, as fucked up as it was, I can kind of get, like, being so scared that you're, like, willing to do it. And, like, like you said, like, it wasn't, like, a family cat or anything like that. It was still messed up, but she had better options. Yeah. But maybe we should talk about this a little bit more when we get there in the yeah, synopsis. Yeah, I just also realized that I didn't put in any of the normal information. That it's fine, because I, I have it up, Maggie. Include. Oh, you do? Okay, so why don't you tell me a little bit about um, Drag Me to Hell, which I will say is a 2009 movie written and directed by Sam Raimi. So it actually came out at South by Southwest on March 15th. That's my birthday! I know. I turned 18 the day this movie came out. At South by Southwest, it was widely released in May of 2009, and it was filmed on a budget of 30 million and it made around 91 million it did do really well it did well but i will say that is not the multiplier that we usually get usually it's That's like 10 true. times not three times because this movie isn't good <laughs> hot take. it also has a really high budget it also does for a really horror movie budget. which i think is part of it is like if this was like if there wasn't so much cgi i think we would the be in a CGI different position. wasn't a lot even of CGI. good it's not 
um, that fucking goat scene is terrible. Okay, the goat scene the was goat actually scene my favorite like, scene in the entire really movie. It was really funny, but it's like not scary at all. Correct. <laughs> um, but there's a CGI handkerchief at some oh, point. Oh god, in the parking garage. The stupidest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, there's a lot of dumb shit, and I think that it is kind of in the horror like tradition of choosing to go with a like a visual concept, even if like the the actual effects are not at the level to make it really look realistic. And I get that, but and, it, it does look bad, and I think. That there's a difference between practical effects and CGI and that. I think you it's easier to be forgiving about a practical effect than about a CGI effect. It's also worth noting that Drag Me to Hell is considered a horror satire, I guess. But the thing is, the definition of satire says that it uses comedy to make commentary about something and there is no commentary made in this movie yeah. it's just like ha we're gonna make a movie that's kind of scary kind of funny and kind of dumb enjoy yeah. it yeah i'm i'm sorry that i didn't like this movie very no, much no um i don't think you should be sorry for it uh i don't think that at all i think that um yeah, I think that it does really miss the mark um, when it comes to its satire and, and the goal that it has, which I do think is to be like a, a horror comedy in the vein of some of Raimi's other works, which, you know, like Evil Dead is um, scary in some parts and like certainly very gruesome and violent in some parts, but also like it does have its funny moments. And it, I think it just like... Yeah, I don't know. We kind of talked about this where, like, I think that he doesn't necessarily have the life experience to understand that, like, a female audience is not going to interpret most of the... Yeah. Most of the things that happen to this female character as, like, light and funny. I think they're they're more upsetting, but not in, like... Not in, like, the way that you normally want a horror movie to be upsetting, especially not one that, like, presents itself as being as fun as this one does. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a little too much of... Yeah, I think there's too much reality in it to really be able to unwind and be like, oh, it's so funny because it's like a goat that's trying to kill her. You know, like I think. And that I think that, actually, like I said, the goat when it was possessed by a demon, that I that laughed was, out loud at. It was so. It's see, really that was funny. Fun. If they'd done more of that stuff, I would have been like, yeah, put some more CGI but goats in there. Instead, it felt like watch this woman go through actual troubles that businesswomen try to go through. And when she makes a difficult decision, she goes to hell. Yeah. And that just kind of sucked for me. Like, I mean, as someone who is currently in business school trying to grow in my career, I watched this and it just made me feel bad because it said to me, if you try and approach things in the way that men traditionally approach things like business schools are usually around 30% women. So I am, there are twice as many men as there are women in my program. And to be told that, or to see a boss say, if you want to do this, you have to do it like this guy. And then where a woman does it like the guy and then gets cursed and goes to hell because she chose to do that is a really discouraging feeling for me. Yeah. And I felt really uncomfortable watching this movie because of that. Because basically it felt like it was telling me, give up. No matter what you do, you can't succeed. I do think that ultimately, like, any horror movie is not going to have a positive message. You know? I do. So I think kind to of. an extent, it's like, yeah, it says that because it's, like, the worst. Like, you know, the, the point of it is kind of to be bleak and, and, yeah, and all of that. But that doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean you have to enjoy that fact where, about like, it. The girl or the guy wins at the end somehow. Yeah, not a lot of Sam Raimi movies where the girl or the guy wins at the end. I mean, Bruce Campbell got a fucking chainsaw for a hand. Yeah, but, like... That's true. 
But he has to, I mean, bad shit happens to A Bruce lot of Campbell. bad stuff happens. Like, none of the Evil Dead movies really have a happy ending. Like, they become more happy at the beginning of the That's next movie. That's very true. But, like, it's a very Raimi move to have, aside from, like, the Spider-Man movies, to have, like, a very bleak ending. That's true. So I think that part of it is just that, like, yeah, when you apply, like, his normal approach in the context that he used for this one, it doesn't work quite right. Yeah. And I think that it is part of that, like, yeah, you know, most horror movies don't have, they have a lot of violence or a lot of really terrible things that happen to these people. And I mean, there are a ton of movies that we've watched that like, like we were kind of talking about, like The Ring or um, The Grudge or something like that, where it's like, you get this curse for no good reason. Because, like, you, oh, no, you went into the wrong house, and so now you're going to die. Like, I think that there kind of is a tradition of that in horror movies as well. But I think that by overly, like, belaboring the point of, like, the main character being a woman who is trying very hard to succeed in business in what is obviously a very male-dominated office... Um, and being, I mean, they, it's a, it's an open plot point that she's going to be passed over for a job that she's very capable of for a guy who she's still teaching the job to. Yeah. Like, she still has to show him, like, how the job works. But, like, he can give the boss Lakers tickets. And then the boss is like, maybe you'll get the promotion. Like, I think that there's just too much of that acknowledgement of, like, the boys club and the, like, sexism in the workplace for it to function as, like, a good, fun horror. I think that's true. Yeah. Especially when there isn't any, like, critique of that. It's just showing this is how it exists. Yeah. But it doesn't say this is wrong. There's it no just satisfaction. Shows it. Exactly. There's no... And I think that the catharsis is, like, a big part of horror. Where, like, you want to see most of the time, and, and most of the time you get to see, like... Bad things happening to bad people. Yeah, you get to see Jamie Lee Curtis get, like, horrible shit done to her for, like, 90 minutes. And then in the last 10 minutes, she, like, kicks ass. Exactly. And she ends up okay, you know? And that doesn't really happen in this movie. So. Or the people who die are oftentimes, like, let's say, Friday the 13th. People just do stupid things sometimes, yeah. you know? Although I will say that, like, I think a lot of the, the people in the Friday, in Friday the 13th don't necessarily do that much stupid stuff. There's like, a lot they of go, separation. Yeah. I guess, that, yeah. But, like, you're right. again, it's like, well, just, like, she doesn't deserve to die for, like you know, not giving this woman a loan extension, like, they don't deserve the kids to don't deserve to just, like, creeping off to the cabin and having sex. It was like, any 16-year-old who's, like, out in the woods with, like, their hot boyfriend over the summer is, like, gonna do that, that's you know? True. Like, that's, yeah. I just think that the, the rest of the framing makes it a lot harder to swallow those, like, normal plot yeah. devices. So, Speaking anyway, of plot, we haven't actually talked about I know, the plot this I just movie have a lot of feelings and opinions on it, and I will try to keep... Most of them to myself. No, don't go, keep them to yourself. That's, the, while we that's go why the we have plot. a podcast. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions on this stuff. Um, so it is a, uh, it is a, like we said, it's a Sam Raimi. It was written by him and his brother Ivan Raimi, produced by Grant Curtis and Robert Tappert, and it's starring Allison Lohman, Justin Long, Lorna Raver, Dilip Rao, David Paymer, and Adriana Barraza. I will say one of my favorite moments in watching this movie was discovering the fact that Justin Long is in it, because I do yeah. love Justin Long. He's great. He I like I like Justin really Long. likes being in weird horror movies. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers. Walrus. Walrus. Yeah. That's a movie. God, Walrus. That's all I really have to say about it is that's a movie. I found Walrus more upsetting than I expected to. I found... And I think it's because of Justin Long. Really? Like, I think he did a good enough job being like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Like, once the, like, bad shit starts happening, like, he does a good job of, like, facial acting. See, that's a movie with kind of a bleak ending. Yeah. 
that I loved that ending. I thought yeah. it was really weird, but kind of cool. Yeah. It was such a weird That one movie. made me sad. Because, like, I don't know. Watch it. It's go. Don't, however, watch it and then go, oh, we should also watch Yoga Hosers because it is kind of related because it is another Kevin Smith and it is part of his, like, Canadian whatever trilogy. Yeah, and they have overlapping characters. So fucking bad. Justin Long is also in that one as a different character and it's, I mean, okay, I'm sure that Johnny Depp loves his daughter very much. And I'm sure that Kevin Smith loves his daughter very much. But Lily Rose Depp and Harley Quinn Smith should not be the lead actors in a movie right now. Because they can't carry a movie. And it was terrible and unwatchable. I have not seen it. They're so unlikable. But Tim watched it twice. Because Tim watched it on his own. And then he needed to show it to you. And then he needed to show it to me. So I came home and he was like, we got to watch it. And then he made me watch it. And for some reason, I'm still going to marry him. I don't understand why. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maggie's engaged now. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. I'm working into every sentence. You should. <laughs> You're like, I don't have you know It hasn't even been a week. But this movie takes place in Pasadena, which is a place where you can buy rings like the one I have on my finger because I'm engaged. <laughs> That's a sample sentence. He didn't buy it in Pasadena, but so it's a tough connection to make, but... They sell rings in Pasadena. They, I'm sure that they do. They exactly. must. Speaking of which, this movie does take place in Pasadena, California. It does. Which is actually my hometown. Yay, Maddie! There are some things in it that do not look like Pasadena. Yeah, I don't think There are parts was. of it that do look like Pasadena. I don't... There's yeah. a lot of filming that actually well, happens I, in Pasadena. I guess the Pasadena... Is she supposed to live in Pasadena as well? I guess only the old house is technically yeah. said to be in Pasadena. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's the entire movie. It's just, it takes place in the L.A. area, but I think it's supposed to take place in, like, the greater Pasadena area. Yeah. Either way, she can't afford the house that she's living in. Oh, God, no. She, okay. We'll get to the plot of this movie, I promise, at some point in time. Allison Lohman's character, Christine, is a loan officer at a bank, which I guess is, like, a good paying job. Yeah. But not, like, huge, huge money. No. And she lives in a old school craftsman on a hill with a view of the entire city from her bedroom window by herself. And they like do that thing where they like kind of scuff up the walls a little and it's like, oh, it's not in good condition. But like, no. Okay, I spent a lot of time on Realtor.com. That house is in great condition. Okay, so we open in 1969 in Pasadena, California. One of the best parts of California. Yeah. And we see a young couple who is trying to get in contact with a medium. She, They go to, like, this big house and knock on the door, and it turns out their son has been, like, seeing things and hearing things, and it started after he stole a necklace from a gypsy woman. Yeah. They use that word a lot, which they is not do. a word you're really supposed to use no, anymore. No, it's definitely a slur. Um, it's not a... Not a cool word. Um, that is a major issue with this movie. Um, oh, yeah, this movie is of, not only sexist as hell, but it's racist as hell, too. We've kind of aged out of the whole blaming Roma people for, like, black magic curses thing, I think. But this movie, um, Especially that's the main painting them point. as, like, disgusting, gross human beings. Yeah, who, who like, will curse kill you. people out of spite and hate children and shit like that. Like, yep. they're... Oof. It's pretty bad. It's not good in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's definitely um, kind of invoking an old school horror trope that should stay in the old school and should not have been brought into the new world. Agreed. I do horror. think that, I don't think I've said this before 
on the podcast yet. But I think that a big issue that I had with this movie is that I did see it in 2018. Yeah. I did not watch it for the first time in 2009 when it came out. And so I'm very much seeing it through a Time's Up and a... What's the other hashtag? Not being racist. No. <laughs> me, being, too. Like, me too. Time me too. Hashtag don't be racist. <laughs> hashtag don't be racist. Um, but the, those lenses, which is one of the reasons why a lot of the stuff that happens to Christine really, like, personally offended me. But I also think that, like, the fact that we've watched movies from the 70s and you haven't reacted as strongly to those as a movie that came out in 2009 that you're watching true. through the same 2018 lens kind of says something about how weirdly behind the times this movie feels at a yeah. lot of points like I don't know maybe it's also semi a Sam Raimi thing because for example I mean he is the one who included tree rape in Evil Dead so yeah I still don't know why that no one knows was why. included because violence against women is a great plot point it's weird for, just for no it's reason it's just in there Yep. Doesn't anyway anything. Anyway, this right. family goes to this woman and she tries to do a seance in order to get the demon to go away and the little boy gets dragged to hell. Yeah. And the medium's like Peace, kid. I'm gonna see you again. Yeah, she does scream that. And um then we and then we, yeah, present day LA. Yup. And we get little Christine Brown, played by Allison Loman, who like I will always picture as the little girl in matchstick men. Oh, oh yeah. I still think of her as the mom from um, Big Fish. The young version of the mom from Big oh Fish. Oh my god, I didn't realize which that was, was her. Like, She's so I pretty in that I guess that would have movie. only been like five years before this movie came yeah. out. Because I think that was like 2004. Um, I guess I thought this movie was a lot more recent because I was like, wow, she has not aged. But I guess she probably has by now. I think she just has a very young face. She does have a really young face, but oh my god, she's gorgeous and big fish oh my really god. good i love her in that movie she's it's one of my great. favorite movies the scene where like the popcorn freezes in the air when he first sees her is like Ugh. the most beautiful shot of like a person and all the flowers yeah oh and the, all the sunflowers Ugh. god that that's a beautiful movie i should rewatch that movie same it's a great movie but so christine brown is working in a bank as a loan officer and she's working really hard to get promoted to assistant manager but her boss is really strongly considering this guy, Stu. Oh, my God. Fucking Who is Stu. the worst. And um, the worst TM. The worst. Yes. Hashtag the worst. Hashtag and, the um, And so she's like, well, you know, what do I need to do to, you know, get that promotion? Or what should I do to be considered? And he's like, you need to be able to make, like, the tough decisions. And she's like, well, I can do that. Sure. And he's like, great. Go teach Stu how to do his job. I might give him the job over you. And she's like, fuck this shit. So... A little bit later, this elderly woman comes in. Sylvia Ganush. Sylvia Ganush. And Sylvia has been missing payments on her house. Yes. Really old woman. And she has already had two extensions on her payments. She had lost her eye, which took a lot of money. And so she wasn't able to pay for her house. And she's asking for another extension. Yeah. And this is a chance for Christine to show a tough decision. She goes and she asks her boss, can I? And he's like, well, it'd be good for the bank if you didn't. But really, it's your decision. And kind of implies, like... He uses, like, the same terminology. Because earlier he was like, you need to be able to make the tough decisions. And then when she brings it to him, he goes, well, you know, a foreclosure like this would give the bank a lot of equity. And also, you know, it's a tough decision. Yeah. So it's like... He basically it's is obvious what he wants. Trying to tell her that like if you say no, you'll get you'll be better place for this promotion. Yeah. So she goes out and she 
does decide that this woman cannot have an extension, that she's going to lose the house. And she says, like, I know you have a granddaughter. Can you go stay with her? And the old woman says that she doesn't want to burden the granddaughter. And then she's like, well, what? there are other places you can live. And she's like, no, like, this is my home. And Ganoush, like, gets on her knees and starts begging Christine to change her mind. And, She's, like, like kissing gr- the hem of she, her like, dress. She, like, grabs her dress and, like, and starts, like, kissing hands. it and getting close. And Christine asks her to, like, get off of her, and she won't. And so she calls security. And the woman's, like, deeply shamed and, like, says some shit to Christine and vows to take revenge in some way. Yeah. I just want to pause this here. Mm-hmm. Because... We didn't really describe what the woman looked like. Oh, yeah, they lean real hard on the stereotypical it's old a Roma super witch situation. Stereotypical. She's like, well, while Christine and her boss are talking, like she takes out her teeth and just like puts them on the table. She's like hacking into a handkerchief the whole time. She's her, got like, these long fingernails. Each of her eyes are different colors. She's yeah. like one of them's clearly fake. Mm-hmm. And it's like just supposed to be absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And I think you're also supposed to feel like Christine is making a really bad decision here. That's what Sam I, Raimi wants you to think yeah, because he actually has done interviews yeah. where he's like, no, she deserves everything she gets in this movie. And I agree. I don't feel that way. I was like, maybe like it's not the kindest and most generous it's thing not. to do, but like. But it's the thing is that yeah. what we'd also already seen that we actually didn't mention is that you, there's a scene where Christine goes to visit her boyfriend and overhears a conversation where her boyfriend is talking to his mom. Her boyfriend being Justin Long. Yeah. And the mom's like, isn't that the farm girl? Like, we have certain expectations of who you're going to date. And so this promotion, one, will give her a better income, like a chance to actually potentially survive and she wants to have a family someday and all that shit. Two, it'll help earn the respect of her boyfriend's family. Yeah. So while she's at his um, office, as well as like overhearing the whole um, conversation with his mother, she's also mostly there to drop off um, this rare coin that she found for him. Which is, like, he's a coin collector, so it's, like, this really cute thing. And she, like, works at a bank, and she found it in normal circulation. Yeah, and so it's she, this really fancy-ass, like, cool. Yeah, it's, it's a standing like something quarter. standing liberty, mostly struck. I don't know. It's a bunch of, like, fancy coin talk. Um, and so she, like, puts it, like, she gives it to him in this like, cute little envelope. You know, and it's just this really cute moment. Like, they obviously really like each other, and it's just, like, a very sweet relationship that his mom is, like, doesn't understand. Yeah, it's really fucking annoying. Get over it, Mom. I ultimately think that this movie is about how capitalism destroys everyone's life. I think that's a better interpretation <laughs> of it. I don't think that's what it was intended to No, it's us. definitely not. But it is the true villain of this movie. But you're supposed to, like, really dislike her. And it's not like um, Sylvia Ganoush didn't have options. Yeah. She could talk to her granddaughter. Like, it's definitely rough that it's happening to her. And, like, it it's does sympathetic suck. that, like, yeah, that it's really hard to get your home taken away from you. But at the same time, so she's also had two extensions. Yeah. Like, and someone is going to be the loan officer who tells her no eventually, you know? And not only that, but, like, she says the reason why she doesn't want to contact her granddaughter is because I don't want to imposition her. Yeah. Which means that Sylvia Ganoush literally puts her own pride and a slight imposition on her granddaughter's life as a higher priority than Christine's life. Yeah, so she said, like, bothering my granddaughter life, yeah. is a worse option than me killing you. Yeah, basically. And I think or that's, like, like, worthy of, yeah. I think that's really shitty. That is When really you look shitty. at it at that perspective, and when Christine's just trying to do something so that way she can, like, 
provide for herself and potentially a future family and yeah. afford her nice ass house Dope she's living house, in yeah and also be able to stay with her boyfriend because she doesn't necessarily feel like she's good enough for him in the right. position she's in now so she gets really weird and really serious when christine leaves work for the day and she goes out into the parking garage which is like don't ever go to a parking garage just don't do it you don't need to be there I, park your car somewhere else i park in a parking garage you're gonna get job. murdered by an old lady who's gonna put a curse on you well shit so get ready Sucks for that. To me. <laughs> um, so she goes out to the car and she's like really um, nervous and really on edge. And she sees this like old beat up car in the parking garage and she hears like the hacking cough that like Mrs. Ganesh has. Um, and so she gets to the car and she like gets in and locks the door and she sees this handkerchief that was the same one that Mrs. Ganesh was using kind of float by her. And she turns around to watch it go, and when she gets to the back seat, Mrs. Ganesh is sitting right behind Which her. was actually a pretty solid jump scare. That was a good scare. Yeah. Oh, man. And then, so they get into, like, this whole big fight um, where, oh, God. Yeah, there's, there's a oh lot God. of mouth stuff oh in God. this movie. It's so weird. She shoves, what is, is it a, a stapler at some point? Into she, her oh, eye. she's stapling her eye. While she's grabbing her from the back seat, um, Christine is like stapling her in the face. She puts a staple right in her dead eye at one point in time. At and then she gets into the front seat and she shoves a ruler into a her throat. A ruler right? into her throat. And it's, I think that happens towards the end of the fight, but at some point, uh, Miss Ganusha's teeth come out and she tries to bite her, but she ends up just like sucking on her and chin. And it's like, it's like wet. You can tell that it's really wet and she's like ah and like her whole mouth is like in her it's definitely supposed to be like funny and gross at the same time i think it leans more towards gross than funny like maybe in 2009 this would have been it's just like like, it's so viscerally like because you can it's just honestly i think it's like body boy humor i struggle with body horror type stuff with like gross out stuff because like just makes me feel queasy to my yeah um but yeah also like what is up with those dentures they're in such bad shape. They're in Dentures such bad aren't supposed shape. to look like that. No, they're not. Um, it was a lot of weird stuff going on in this movie. So she, like, yeah. So Christine, like, rams her car into, like, a bunch of other cars to, like, try to, like, throw Mrs. Ganesh out of the car. And she finally gets her out. And she grabs a button. She, like, runs up. Mrs. Like, Ganesh grabs a button up to off her. of Christine's jacket. Yeah, off of her sleeve. And takes it and says, like, I baked you today and soon you'll be baking me. And gives it back to her and, like, tucks it into her hand. And boom, she's gone. Yep. And then, yeah. Christine kind of passes out. Yeah. Christine has a rough night. And so (laughs) she is, like, walking around with her boyfriend. Whose name is apparently Clay Dalton, but then his mom calls him Clayton, which means his name is Clayton Dalton. That's not a great name. I'll be honest. Clayton Dalton. Clayton Dalton. So they're walking... And Christine hears something behind her, and she turns yeah. and it's just like didn't like hear anything and whispers. And they're right in front of a fortune teller's office, and so they, she's like, "I really want to go," and he's like, "Okay." So they go in, and he is fort- talking so much shit the entire time that they're there because he's like a psychology professor. Yeah, <laughs> and so he's just like shit talking psychi- like psychicness in front of Ram Joss, who is the. Very cool. Um, I actually really liked this character. I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was a cool, helpful guy. He was. A bit of a Giles, you know? Yeah, he kind of was a Giles. Strong us. Giles vibe. Anyway, and so he kind of goes through and, like, does his psychic thing and figures out that Christina's fucked. Immediately, I was like, never mind, I don't want to do this anymore. You can have your money back. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, he's like, you, you, you something some- was taken from you. 
And she's like, well, like the button. Or he's like, oh, you're missing a button. And she's like, yeah, like this old lady. It was weird. And then yeah. he's like, no, something's wrong with you. And he tries to give her the money back. Um, and he asks her like a couple things if she like... I forget, like, took a, like, a necklace from someone. or Like, all this, like, random, like, cliched ways that you could possibly, like, get a curse yeah. on you. Um, and she's like, no, no, no. And he's like, well, something's wrong. You should, basically, is like, you should come back at some point in time. But, like, and Stu is like, that's bullshit. And or not so, Stu, Clay. Clay. So Clay drives her home and drops her off at this house. I think it's the first time you see this house. Which is, we don't drop your girlfriend off after she has, like, a traumatic event. Maybe, like, hang out with her. Yeah. Also, like, does he ever spend time in that house, really, at all? He spends that night there. Okay, he does, yeah, but he wasn't going to. Yeah, that's true. But then she, like, gets attacked in her own house by, like, this shadowy thing. Yeah. And also, she has a really cute kitten, which, as we mentioned earlier, she later murders, so don't get attached. <laughs> um, yeah, so she she's, like, attacked. She, she's attacked by, like, nothing, basically. There's, like, a There's shadowy there. figure, she's like but she gets, across like, smacked. The face, yeah. And it's really weird. Also, Ted Raimi shows up again. Is he the doctor? He's the doctor. Gotcha. And so three movies now with Ted Raimi. yeah. Which we have like a weird Ted Raimi theme. 25% of our podcast is featured weird. Ted That's Raimi. That's really strange. Yeah. We're a Ted Raimi podcast, you guys. We'll just rename ourselves to... Saturday the Ted Raimi. Saturday the Ted-teenth? Saturday the Sixth ted Sixth ted Fort ted Fort ted <laughs> Learn the name of your podcast, I Maggie. don't know how numbers work, and I don't want to learn. <laughs> Anyway, um, so she's beat up. She calls her boyfriend, and he comes over. They call the doctor, and the doctor convinces her and the boyfriend that because she'd experienced the trauma earlier in the day that she relived it. Which, I mean, she's basically like, the windows blew up, and then a shadow slapped me in the face. So, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I think I was already really angry about, like, her being treated so horribly by her boss and, like, the weird racist, like, Romani stuff going on. Yeah. And so when I saw this, I was like, seriously? Like, she's beat up, though. Like, she actually looks beat up. Yeah, but I she also she... was just in a bad That's car true. accident fist fight situation. I'm because she... But it was clearly, like, a new thing on her lip. Yeah. But... And, but yeah. she could have fallen or something like that. Right. I guess. Um, but it was just like, oh, man, you see that your girlfriend, like, has these issues. She says she was, like attacked and the first thing that y'all go to is fucking hysteria really like you're just gonna take well they did say like ptsd basically which is like I a little know. different than hysteria <laughs> you're right and i know that you're right it was just i was already very defensive and like angry about the other stuff yeah. so that was my first thing but the truth is that if i like told hey maggie i think i was just attacked by a shadow you actually might believe me but I would not. Else. If you told me I was just attacked by a shadow, I would be like, Tim, we have to go get Maddie right now. <laughs> and we have to just, like, keep an eye on her. And I'm going to call Paul. Like, I would, like, <laughs> I would be worried if you told me that. Yeah. So so I understand it rationally, but I still was like, meh, yeah. meh. <laughs> So then he actually does stay the night, though. He does stay the night. And then a fly goes in her nose. And then out the other nostril. And then out the other nostril. Oh, my God. And this whole thing is really gross. Into her mouth. I think this is maybe why Tim hated it so much. Tim has, like, a weird thing about swallowing flies. Like, it not freaks him out a lot. I didn't know that Tim hated this movie. Oh, yeah. I thought I told you that. Yeah, he hated this movie. Did you movie. tell him how much I hate this movie? I did, yeah. Good. Um, yeah, he thought this movie was so stupid. Um, which, I mean, like I said, he watched Yoga Hosers twice in one day. So, like, for him <laughs> not to like a movie, it's like, mm, 
real rough. Yeah. So she's like asleep, and this fly comes in the window. And it's like on her face, goes up one nostril, out the other nostril, and like forces its way into her mouth. And then she like wakes up and is trying to like choke it out, kind of. But then next to her, instead of Clay, it's the old lady. And the old lady jumps on top of her and then vomits maggots all over her. Oh god, I think they were mealworms. Were they mealworms? Because they looked like the things we used to feed my turtles. Okay. Oh right, because maggots are like white and squiggly. They're white and squiggly, and and they're like brown. So they're. also larvae, but for mm. beetles instead of for flies. Interesting. Maggots probably would have been more thematic. Yeah. How, I think that's why I assumed that they were. However, they're big and brown and like kind of like had exoskeletons. Yeah. While maggots do not. That's why true. do I know so much about the larval state of bugs? Are they even larvae? Are they like Sometimes pupa you just know things. I don't know, man. It's cool to know things. This is actually the second or third time today that mealworms have come up. Gross. One of my new co-workers is real under reptiles. That's about cool, turtles. actually. I like a turtle. Mm-hmm. I like a reptile in general. You know that geckos are carnivorous? Because I learned that today. No, but that's cool. And that... Sorry, not carnivorous. Cannibalistic. Oh, that's darker. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I messed up. Um, so, he has all these geckos. Do they eat each other? Yeah. Fuck. That's what I learned today. So... Anyway, <laughs> so she wakes up after this and she's like freaking out. Yeah, um, she wakes up again because she had a false awakening, which actually yeah. happens to me a lot in dreams. Really? Yeah, I wake up within my dreams a lot. It's weird. Interesting. But so she had a false awakening. She actually wakes up and it's this beautiful sunny day. Oh, and just, it's like, the gorgeous. Is absolutely gorgeous. So pretty. And she goes into work and her boyfriend's like, don't piss off any more old ladies. And she's like, fuck you. Yeah. She gets in there. She had a real nice rental car, though. She did. Yeah, it was a convertible. Yep. Um, so she goes in, and Stu shows up, and he's like, you're supposed to tell me how to do this thing. And she's like, I'm going through a lot. I don't want to do this right now. And he's now. like, okay, well, I'll go tell the boss that you're too busy then. And she's like, fine. Fine, I'll show you how to do your stupid job. Yeah. Um, and so she sits there, and he's like, he keeps tapping his fingers, and when she's watching him tap, this is why I do think she actually has PTSD. Every time she watches him tap his fingers, she sees the old woman's fingers tapping. Which is legitimate. And so she, like, freaks out on him, and she's, she says, get your filthy pig knuckle off my desk. Which is great. Which is a power move to say in the office. Yeah. And then he's like, what's wrong with you? And then she just starts spraying blood out of her nose. Oh, no, she yeah, she gets a nosebleed. Yeah. So, like, her boss comes over to see what's going on, because she just starts screaming for no reason. And then she just, like, gets this, like, right. fire like fire hose nosebleed and just like sprays her boss which is not how nosebleeds work no which what which makes his response so much funnier to me in like a weird way because it's just so inappropriate for the situation she's like gushing blood like this is like something major just happened and he's like oh my god did it go in my mouth and he keeps like asking this woman who's standing nearby like if it got into his mouth <laughs> yeah and like they don't and care she's, about like, the woman bursting blood out of her nose across the room it's like a like a four foot spurt of like insane bright red nose blood <laughs> and so she leaves because obviously like something's wrong with her and the day before her boss had like complimented her on a specific piece of work that she was doing mm-hmm. and after she leaves because of the nosebleed Stu sees that file on her desk and steals it Stu's a little pain in the, the ass I hate Stu it's Stu's Stu. the worst the worst I, I can't pronounce things Stu is the worst Stu yeah so so she decides she's gonna go talk to Mrs. Ganesh because she's like, I can't do this shit. Yeah. So she goes to the house that her granddaughter was listed as living in. Yep. And she's like, Can I talk to her? 
And her granddaughter's like, no, I know who you are, and I know that you're lying to me, and I know that, like... Yeah, because Christine yeah. says that, like, it wasn't her decision, it was her boss's decision. But, like, it also was It really was, was Christine's yeah. decision. It, like, there was some pressure there, but it was, and it was ultimately like, her call. And the granddaughter's like, you're gonna lie to me after, like, what you did to my grandmother? And she's like, no, I'm not lying, I just wanted to talk to her. She's like, fine, go downstairs. And we see it's a fucking funeral. For... Mrs. Ganesh. Mrs. Ganesh. And she freaks out so much that she... Oh, this is another really gross scene. She trips, falls backwards, face down onto the coffin. And so like, she's face to face with her body. She tries to get up and, and breaks the stand. And so the entire thing like falls over and Mrs. Ganesh like dead body ends up on top of her and she starts like vomiting like embalming fluid all over her face and into her mouth, and it is so disgusting. So much gross stuff ends up in poor Allison Lowen's mouth in this movie. I feel so... Like, if there's a gross thing that can go into her mouth in any scene, like, it, it does. Actually, so one of the articles I read about this uh, movie is basically said, like, Sam Raimi loves torturing his actors. Checks out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she's like, fuck the shit. She goes back to Ram Joss. Yep, the psychic dude. Okay. So, yeah, so she he explains that, like, she is pretty much fucked and that there's this demon that's haunting her that's like attached to the button um that mrs ganesh gave to her that's called the lamia and they totally got what a lamia is completely wrong oh yeah and so what's weird is that the lamia is like a greek yeah thing it it's is supposed not- to be like a serpent lady yeah babies. so they it seems like they basically took a name that they was like oh this sounds like exotic and cool and different Combined it with a goat because in a lot of, especially like old Christian mm-hmm. mythology, like that's what demons and Satan yeah. look like. And then put it into the mouth of like a Romani woman. Yeah. And we're like, hashtag gypsy curse. Yeah. And it's just like so offensive and dumb and combining all these cultures to make something that's just like different. Yeah. And it's just, it's really gross and racist. It is. It's all very, they didn't do a great lot of background research or investigation for this one. No, it's really it's bad. It's, like, frustrating, and it's just... I don't know. Anyway. So, there, he's like, yeah, it's gonna, like, torture you for three days, and then it's gonna, like, take you to hell. And she's like, how could I not have that happen to me? And he's like, you can kill an animal. And she's like, I don't want to kill an animal. And he's like, well... She's like, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> she volunteers at the puppy shelter. So he's like, well, you know, like, listen, it's either gonna, like, torture you for three days and then murder you, or you can, like, try to kill an animal. And she's like, well... She's Maybe. like, well, we'll see, but I don't think I want to do this. And he, like, forces her to take the book with her. Yeah. And she ends up reading it because she's, like, curious. And then she gets hella attacked again. Yeah. Yeah. She gets, like, thrown up in the air in her bedroom and, like, spun around a million times and, like, falls on the floor. There's, and, like, like, a really cool shadowy effect, kind of. Oh, yeah. So there's she, like, gets away from, like, the monster or, like, the... the Whatever it is that's messing yeah, with her. The Lamia. And she gets upstairs to her bedroom and she closes and locks the door behind her. And then these, like, shadow arms, it's very Nosferatu. Like, the scene where he's, like, coming up the staircase and you can see, like, the long fingers. It's, like, that same kind of, like, long pointy fingers, like, coming under the door of her bedroom. Um, And then she gets, like, thrown up in the air and, like, flipped around a million times. Yeah. Like, body slammed and shit. It's, like, a cool effect. But after that happens and she's able to get this thing to go away, she's like, nope, I'm going to do whatever I need to to survive. She kills the cat and buries it in her backyard. Yeah. R.I.P. It's a really cute small kitten. And what really broke my heart is she's like, here, kitty, kitty, like, walking around with a knife. And then it shows the little kitten sleeping in her laundry. And, like, it looks up and it gives her a little slow blink. And... 
for someone, I don't know how well the Raimi's know cats. So I don't know if this was like super purposeful or not, but like a cat sleeps in your laundry because your laundry smells like you and it means they like you and they feel safe around you. And the slow blink is like a kitty kiss. So it's like, I want to be surrounding you because I feel safe with you and I look up at you and I'm going to like give you a kitty kiss and like tell you how much I love you. And then she murders it. Yeah. It's really, really upsetting. Yeah. And then she she buries him in the backyard and just a really little haphazardly, yeah. yeah. And just throws some dirt on there. Ugh. And then Clay shows up and is like, "Yo, we have to go to dinner with my mom. Why do you have blood on you?" Yeah. She's like, "It's tomato juice," and that's not what tomato juice looks not like. Not in the slightest. But whatever. So they go to this dinner, and, and she's she thinks Clay's that she's judgy like mom, a hundred percent cured from this yeah. issue. And so she's feeling real confident. She looks great. She's wearing this like gorgeous yellow dress. Oh. Also, what we didn't mention before is she has, like, so she was from a farm. Right. And she actually, like, was a heavier kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why that was even mentioned in this movie. It felt completely unnecessary. I think it's, yeah, I think just it's to, like, all supposed to be, like, stuff she's embarrassed about from her past. Because, like, there's the beginning where she's trying to, like, get rid of her accent. It's like she's really trying to, like, push that part of her life yeah, away. Yeah, so there's this picture of her with next to a pig, and she, like, rips it up from when she was a yeah. kid. And when she, the first time, like, all this bad stuff happened, she, like, starts eating all this ice cream. Yeah. And then for this dinner, she makes, like, a beautiful harvest cake. Yeah, and, and this is kind of interesting to me, because, like, this is the first time that she, like, she's really nervous about meeting his mom, because his mom seems like a nightmare. But, like, during the dinner, she actually opens up and, like, talks a lot about actual stuff. Like, she talks about, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a harvest cake I made because, like, we used to make it around the harvest time because that's when, like, the geese had, like, the densest egg yolk and it makes the best cake. And then, like, during dinner, she's, like, talking about her family and at first she's trying to, like, kind of dance around how to respond to things. And finally she's just like, yeah, I don't have a close relationship with my parents because, like, my dad's dead and my mom is, like, an alcoholic who never talks to me. And she's actually winning over the parents by being... yeah. She's, like, talking about her job, and the mom is like, oh, yeah, my dad had a drinking problem, and I just, like, never talked about it because I felt, like, ashamed about it. And so then um, they have the cake served, Mm -hmm. and she goes to eat it, and there's, like, an eyeball in it staring at her. Yeah, she starts to hallucinate, like, she starts to, like, hear sounds. I don't know if it's hallucination or if it's just that something is haunting her and only her. Yeah, that's, that's a point of a lot of ambiguity in this movie, I think. Is it, like, how much of it is her own, like... It can be interpreted a couple different ways. So I always interpret it as it was literally happening. Yeah. Yeah. But So she starts to see all this stuff. And then she somehow, like, burps out the fly that had gone into her stomach, and the parents are like, never mind, you're gross, get the fuck out. Yeah. And she runs away. Yeah. Which is so upsetting, because it... It was going so well for her. So, anyway, Christine goes back to Ram Joss, who says that he knows this medium he'll be able to help... But that it will cost $10,000. Right. And it's the same medium that they went to in the beginning to, yeah. like, save the kid. But it's obviously a different actress. I don't, do like, they say that, actually? Because I think... They're just like, oh, I know someone who will help you. I think they're like, the same so house, she, though, right? That, sorry, what I meant is we don't know that yet. True. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we don't find right. out until later. But yes, it is supposed to be the same medium. Yeah. And so 
she starts trying to figure out how the hell to get $10,000. So she goes to her boss and she's like, I know you said that I am likely going to get this promotion. Can I get an advance on it? And he's like, oh, you didn't hear? Like, we lost the huge account that you were working on. Because... Stu was an asshole and clearly Stu, did something yeah. with it. Yeah. Which we find out later is, like, he actually called a different bank and tried to take her work and bring it to a different bank to get them to get it and hire him. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't work. So she doesn't have any of the money. She's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so she, like, pawns a bunch of stuff to get part of the money, and then she's, like, crying and eating again. Yeah. And has all this money. Like, she gets, like, 3000 out of the 10. Yeah. And her boyfriend, Clay, shows up, and he's like, I've decided to pay for this for you. And she's yeah. like, what? And he's like, I don't believe in all this, but I know you do, and I want you to be happy. What a good boyfriend. Which is really great, because usually it's a woman who plays, like, the all stand by you no matter what yeah. significant other. And in this case, it's him, and it's really nice. It is. Clay's a sweetheart. He is. I like He's him. one of the better parts of this movie. Like, yeah. I really like Justin Long. They have a good relationship. They do. Even though, like, shit is clearly going insane in their relationship. But, like, he... Keeps it together. Yeah. Which I like. Me too. Um, so they do the seance, and the goal is that they're going to, like, put the spirit of the Lamia into an actual literal goat. And then kill and it. And then they'll kill a goat. So that's the plan, is it'll go into the medium, from the medium to the goat, and then they kill the goat. Yeah. Well, things don't really go according to plan. No. No. So they get the goat into the medium. Mm-hmm. With a little bit of trickery, they... Christine does take the medium's hand, puts it on the goat, it goes into the goat, and then the goat's like, you fucking bitch, and, like, tries to bite them and, and stuff like that. And it's, like, like this that. cartoon goat. It's, like, very CGI. It's really weird looking. It's actually it's a really lot of fun. funny. I recommend at least looking up that the scene, scene on, the, on like, is YouTube. That scene the best part of this it's movie. It's really ridiculous. It's real, that scene's really fun. It's, yeah. And so then, though, like, one of the other guys in the room touches the goat, and he gets possessed instead. Yeah. And he starts, like, trying to attack them. He ends up, like, doing a weird dance over the table, I think. And he's like, you stupid girl, I didn't want your goddamn cat. Like, I want you and your spirit. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to take you to hell. And they somehow end up banishing him. Yeah, but uh, the, the psychic dies. Like, it kills her in the process. So it does. She, not the psychic, the, the guy that she's been working with, but, like, the, but the medium, the medium the, the, who's running So the she plans. somehow gets this, this Lamia out, but she dies. And yeah. Christine's, like, over the moon. She's like, oh, my God, like, she's banished this demon. And it's funny because, like, she said that she wanted to see him again, and she did, and she actually defeated him this time. Yeah. And the psychic's like, oh, no, no, that's not how this it's works. It's just, like, a pause. Yeah. It's, like, it's gone for now, but it's coming. Like, there's no way to do this. And the only way you can now really save yourself is to pass this on to another person. Yeah. So you have to literally give, as a gift, the button to someone else. Like, he explains that, like, you can't flush it down the toilet. You can't burn it. You can't, like, whatever. You have to give it, you have as, to a give it as a gift, gift to someone else. Yeah. But then their soul will be doomed to hell. So it's like, who do you want to give it to? Like, you're going to be fucking them over. And she's like, oh, I know. Stu. Fuck Stu. Yep. So she goes to a diner. She's thinking about giving it to random people in this diner. And she's like, nah, I can't do it. So she calls Stu, gets Stu to come in. Stu starts, like, crying and bawling, which I also don't like because I feel like it's obviously meant to be a joke. Yeah. But he's, like, the weak guy who can't, like... I'm like, oh, look, it's a man who's crying. Like, that's horrible. Like, we saw her crying and it wasn't a joke, but when he cries, it is. I just think it sucks because if I thought that I was going to be fired because of another coworker, I would also cry, probably. Also, but, like, if you thought you were going to be fired because another coworker is exposing the fact that you stole their work and, like like gave it to another company to try to steal it away from under your company like you don't really have the right to cry at that point in time well, like yeah, you fucked up it seems less of a joke that like oh he's an asshole and now he's crying and more like this is a joke because he's a man and he's yeah, crying and okay, like men should be allowed that. to cry true true 
Let those so, emotions out. Yeah. And toxic masculinity. Exactly. Um, so she, like, feels bad for him after he starts crying. And she's like, well, fine, I guess whatever. I won't do this. <laughs> but then she finds out that she can still technically give it back to Mrs. Ganoush. Even though Mrs. Ganoush is dead, she just has to, like, formally give it back to her corpse, basically. So she drives to the cemetery and, like, digs up her body and sticks the button in, or the button inside of an envelope because she's been carrying around inside of an envelope. Yeah. In Mrs. Ganesha's mouth. Yes. And there's this weird rainstorm mud scene. And for some reason, Alison Lohman's just not wearing a bra in this scene. Yeah. And there's like nips everywhere. And I was like, really? Like, weird when choice. you decide to go do physical activity, is you, you decide not to wear a bra. Keep them up there. You gotta keep them in. It, very, again, it's just like more of like weird sexist stuff to me. So yeah, I just, I'm really. I'm usually bothered when it's like I under like she's not supposed to necessarily be like a sexy character. She's really pretty. She's cute. She's supposed to be like innocent turning into a badass. And then for some reason they just like over sexualize her in the scene yeah. in the rain. And it felt very out of place for everything else that she was supposed to be in this movie. Yeah, she's not super sexy for the rest of this she's movie. She's not. She usually wears like sundresses or like professional clothes. Yeah. And then as soon as she becomes a badass, it's like, now here are her nipples. Enjoy. <laughs> it's like, why? It just I'd understand because there are characters who are sexy. I have yeah. no problem with the character being sexy. I have a problem when it's used as like eye candy for a character that just like that's not who that character is. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really, really ring true it, for her. It doesn't, and that's what bothered me. Yeah. So she's like, "Fuck this shit. I'm good." Like she's gonna go on this cute vacation that she has planned with Clay. They're gonna go to his um, parents' yeah, place. Yeah, she's in fucking San, psyched. Santa Barbara, San, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. I think. And she goes, and she even, like, buys herself a new jacket to replace one with the button, because she's yeah. like, I'm done with this. I'm going to let go. Yeah. Like, literally, like, take the weight of this jacket off my shoulders and go into this trip not worrying about anything. And it's a great jacket. The one that she buys. Oh, my God, the like gorgeous pink. blue jacket. Oh, blue. That's what it is. I think she's wearing it over a pink dress. Yes, that's right. But it's a great blue jacket, like powder blue. Oh, my God, it's yeah, gorgeous. So, so she goes there, and they have this cute thing, and she's like, she, like, confesses to him um, she also just got the promotion. Like right, she got a phone call that Stu morning. Because Stu got fired because they found out. They confess or Stu was caught with the fact that he had brought the info to another bank, mm-hmm. and so he gets fired. And you're like, I'm so sorry. Like we ended up getting this deal. You were going to become the assistant manager. So she's won. Yeah, and it's great. And she feels like she's won. And yeah. she even goes when she sees her boyfriend at the train station when they're supposed to meet. She's like, honestly. Oh, I'll tell you, I, in the past, like, I said that this was my boss's decision. The truth is, it's my decision. And I felt, I feel bad. I wish I hadn't made that decision because I didn't want to affect this woman's life. But I need to be okay with it and learn from it and grow from it, pretty yeah. much. And it's great. And it's just, like, this wonderful scene. And he's, like, so in love with her. And she's so happy. And it's obvious that he's, like, probably planning to, like, propose to her over the weekend. And then they ride off into the sunset and the movie ends. Or not. Alternately... He goes, oh, by the way, I found this in my car and holds out an envelope. With a little round thing in it. And she opens it and it's the button. And, and she had stuffed the coin that she gave him in an identical envelope into Mrs. Ganesha's mouth. Yep. And she still has the button. And it's the end of the third day. And so she starts freaking out and like walks backwards in the train tracks. And he's like, oh God, we need to save her. And then like the earth opens up beneath her and she's literally dragged into hell. Yeah. And he just stands there staring at her. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Like it's (sighs) And that's the The movie's called Drag Me to Hell. So like I don't know what I wanted but like (sighs) if you turn it off 30 seconds before it ends, it's (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a, exactly. I actually think that <laughs> if it ended like 30 seconds earlier, this movie, I wouldn't have had anywhere near as many issues with this movie. Yeah. I mean, but it's just, to be fair, can't I can't give it that happy ending, you know? If we weren't doing this podcast episode, if I was just watching it for fun, I probably would have turned it off after half an hour. Yeah. Just because it's just, it requires a lot of unnecessary frustration like it is a very frustrating movie to watch especially as a woman yeah because it's just it shows again like i said in the very beginning of this podcast it made me feel like everything that i'm currently working towards is pointless because i don't deserve this because because you're gonna get sucked into hell yeah if i do anything station yeah just don't go to union station there we go that's where the hell's really helpful thank you (laughs) it's just there's a lot going on in this movie yeah but there are also a lot of interesting theories about this. Movie, there are, which and there are I things really that I didn't think about at all until I read some of the articles about yeah. this. So why don't you lead us through the first one, Maggie? Um, so one of the ones that I read is that like me, it might possibly be like a manifest, like an actual manifestation of her guilt, because for the most part, people things attacking her happen when no one else is around. That's true. Her basically all that really happens if you don't know that Mrs. Ganoush is there in the car scene is she just like freaks out and drives into a bunch of cars and like loses her shit after a stressful day at work. Um nothing's attack her at home. No one else around her can see the things or hear the things that she's reacting to. And even when she gets the nosebleed, no one else reacts like it's a serious problem. See like maybe she Like not even like I know there's the to an extent like the oh like She's a woman, so they don't take her pain as seriously. But there are other women in her office who don't really bat an eye, other than being like, oh, my God, what's that? Even, actually, I think there was a side in that, like, even women don't take other women's pain necessarily seriously enough. Like, female doctors are not better about women's pain than male doctors are. interesting. Pretty sure. I might be wrong, but I thought that I read that somewhere. I need to look. I don't know. Yeah. I thought I read that, but I don't know. Well, either way, I mean, it is definitely still possible. I mean, that's that does. I mean, internalized misogyny is a real. real It is, and um, so it's definitely possible that she like hallucinated the whole like fire hose part of it. Yeah, that maybe it was like a stress nosebleed that like you know was and she was freaking out about it. And she she hallucinated that it went everywhere. And like this guy was actually like, oh god, it's a neat nosebleed. Like a nosebleed. Did she get some? Yeah, and I think. Towards the end, it starts to fall apart a little more the because goat the thing. yeah the goat thing and the obviously the portal to hell opening up and her like digging up the person's corpse. But I guess that would have well, to be like digging a more, up the person's that corpse. Can happen. Also, can we just talk about how floods that cause an entire grave to like fill up like that? Floods like that don't happen in Pasadena. Uh, yeah, if you're getting six feet of rain then your whole city is completely destroyed. Yeah. LA can't support six feet of rain. Nowhere can. No. Like, the rainforest can. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, LA literally does not rain like this. So that would actually, I could understand that theory pretty well. Yeah. One of the theories that I read, which actually has a lot of overlap with this one, is that actually this entire movie is a metaphor for bulimia. Because the idea is Christine used to be, as it's put in the movie, a real fat girl. And that, like, I hate that oh, phrasing. Man. Also, this just, the whole her being, like, overrated, like, it, like, just felt so unnecessary. Yeah, it almost feels like adding the concept of it being, like, a refer, like, an overall, like, bulimia as a theme that they're trying to sort of emulate. That, I feel like that's, like, because it makes so little sense for this to be, like, 
Like, it explains it's that It's just like, conclusion. how many ways can we shame a woman? Yeah. She's too pretty to shame her for her looks now, so why don't we say that she was, like, fat as a kid? Yeah. And it's like, really? That's so... Ugh. And I know that it's presented as, like, trying to escape completely from, like, who you were as a person, what you looked like when you were a child, like, I what think you the talked farm like aspect. when you were a child. I think the farm aspect and yeah. the accent did that perfectly. I also think that this is another thing that, like, honestly, having a guy who wrote and directed this is, like... It kind of feels like, well, what would, like, a woman be embarrassed about? Being fat. Yeah. You know? Which is, like, not really... I don't know. I feel like I know a lot of women of different body sizes and who've been different body sizes in their life, and it's not usually, like, a big... No. ...thing. Like, yeah. It is for some people, but for the most part, like, oh, man, yeah, I weighed, like... 20 pounds I feel like more most of the people kid. I know who've like lost a significant amount they feel of weight good view about it as it. more yeah, it's more of like oh like I, you know, started working out regularly and now I'm really strong or like I did this and I like kind of took control over something I wasn't happy about instead yeah. of like viewing it as like a shameful thing. But like I guess maybe some people do, I don't know. And so some of the things that ever brought up in support of this theory is how much of it is like mouth centric. So there's a lot of puking. Like the amount of times that some version of Mrs. Ganesh like pukes onto Christine is ridiculous. Yeah. Or like the fly going in her mouth and coming back out of her mouth. Her weird relationship with food where like she sees yeah. the eyeball and the cake. When she gets sad she eats a lot and like consistent that happens multiple times yeah. throughout the movie. Um and when she is feeling better about herself and she feels in control is when she's able to control her food impulses. Yeah. And um, there's also some body horror around hair and fingernails, which are both things that will get kind of messed up if you have bulimia. Yeah, and the teeth, the, like, the damaged teeth, yeah. dentures. So it's kind of interesting as a theory. I do not believe that it was intended. No, I don't think it is But it is, is a very interesting read of the movie. Yeah. Um, I liked that. I also liked... Um, I think this might have been a little bit more intentional. And this is from an article that I read on consequenceofsound.net, um, which is pointing out that this came out in the 2000s, which is when the housing market was, like, a big thing. Yeah. So, like, this was... There's this kind of thing, this quote that I liked um, from the article that I read, which I'll post uh, on our site. Um, People can't afford their homes. Out of desperation, they turn into monsters. Banks can't afford to finance their homes. Out of self-preservation, they turn into monsters. Where it's sort of that thing of, like... Whether or not Christine herself did something morally wrong, which I don't think that she, I don't think that she did the best, most upstanding thing morally, but I also think she did something very understandable. Ultimately, the bank is kind of the bad guy being like, sorry, don't care if you're homeless, like nothing we can do about it. And this woman is like driven out of desperation to like keep her her home that she's lived in and keep her sense of pride and, and you know, being able to support herself and all of this stuff. Um, and she becomes sort of monstrous because of it. So it's these sort of two these two people are sort of driven towards each other in a really bad way by like the overall like I said capitalism is the ultimate bad guy of this movie like it's this ultimate crisis that's sort of forcing these two women into like this terrible situation for both of them yeah yeah and I do think it's true like they both do turn into not the best people at times yeah I mean I personally don't see Christine's decision as one that she deserves to go to hell for no I think some of her later decisions kind of encapsulate the desperation that, like, Mrs. Ganesh had in the scene a little bit more clearly, like, when she's, like, willing to kill her cat or willing to, like... I think it shows that, like, what strength will you find and what sacrifices will you make in order to really survive? Right. And I, as much as I hate that a cat died in this movie, like, 
I I do think that she could have found like another animal to kill. Maybe not her own little pet cat. It like, wouldn't have worked anyway, but And it didn't work anyway and it wouldn't have worked. But like there're freaking rats in the street or like yeah. pest animals that Yeah. Or like something that's about to die anyway. Exactly. Like, you know? You don't need to freaking murder your kitten. Yeah. Like I didn't even have a chance to live. It was such a tiny baby. Uh. Um, another theme that I that was kind of pointed out in that same article was the theme of shame, which is like even comes up literally when Mrs. Ganesh is like, oh, you shame me, um, where it's sort of like there's this overall connecting theme of shame, humiliation, regret, where like most of Christine's early actions are driven by shame. So she's like ashamed That's of true. her past. She's like ashamed of her accent, ashamed of the fact that she used to be fat, ashamed that she's like she grew up in this like poorer community um she's ashamed all of those things lead her to make the decision to reject the woman's request for an extension which then becomes something else that she becomes very deeply ashamed of yeah um and like that sort of manifests as the curse on her and even she tries all these things to like kind of fix the problem without really addressing the problem ultimately the only way to solve the problem is to more or less pass it along to someone else which is kind of the analogy sort of breaks down a little bit there but like you really can only address the root of the problem, the button, and, like, the curse that was actually given to you, and that's how you can get over the shame. I, it's not by, like, killing a cat. It's not by, yeah. like, having the seance or, like, trying to figure out another way around it. And honestly, the only time that she ever actually does confront something that she's ashamed of head on, which is when she's talking to Clay's mom and she's like, yeah, my mom's an alcoholic. Like, it's a bummer. What are you going to do? Like, it goes well for her. It's really the only win she has up until the end. I mean, at the very end, like, if the movie, again, had ended 30 seconds before it did. Yeah. And they went off and they lived their life. And she was like, yes, I passed this on to the person who physically attacked me after mm-hmm. our bank had already given her multiple chances. Yeah. Because um, that is true. And even that in that way. scene where she's, like, confessing to him, she's, again, she's confronting her shame head on. She is. And it's really great. And it seems like it's going to work out really well for her. Yeah. And ultimately it doesn't because of a stupid twist, which is, like, kind of undermines that overall message yeah but i mean it was a really good moment that she was like you know what i realized i did this i wish i hadn't and i'm sorry for it and i think yeah. that was a great moment and she yeah. should have gotten some redemption for it but you know i think ultimately the main problem is that like i think sam raimi loves a bummer twist ending and i think that it just completely undermines like yeah the rest of what he was doing in this movie so yeah. i think this movie did have potential yeah and I-, I know that i have not been the most positive about this i like i said it made me feel really uncomfortable personally but there are a lot of things that it did do interesting i do love horror comedy as a genre i do think it's really interesting to kind of like turn things on its head a lot of the gross out effects worked real well Um, i mean i was physically disgusted but those didn't make me uncomfortable in the same way no i wasn't made uncomfortable because of the physical stuff Mm -hmm. um my biggest issue, I think I mentioned this earlier as well, is just the fact that he brings up all these bad things that happen to women in the workplace and in their lives where they're shamed a lot for these various things. And he has the chance to say something really cool about it and how it is a problem and how you need to be strong and be able to overcome it by sometimes looking out for yourself. But then the one time in her life that she does look out for herself is she goes to hell for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that it's just a matter of not necessarily understanding how a lot of the things that he included in this movie are going to be viewed by I think he was trying to be audience. realistic 
in a certain way, and it just came across as really depressing for yeah. a lot of the female viewers. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, in those scenes, it's like, it's literally that embodiment of like, well, if you're not mean enough at work, then you're not suitable for the job. But if you're too mean at work, then you're like a bitch. And like, even in the scene where Stu, where she, he's like, oh, can you, uh, where her boss is like, oh, can you take your lunch break now? And can you get me a sandwich on the way back? And Stu's like, yeah, give me a sandwich too. Get it with spicy mayo. And then she like drops it off and he's like, oh, I said no mayo. And she's like, no, you didn't say that. And then they're like, oh, like she's being some like huge bitch. It's like, it's like, there's just so many little moments where it's like, you can tell that in his brain, Sam Raimi knows that like women are mistreated in the workplace, (laughs) but he doesn't. At least in this movie, he doesn't say anything about it. He doesn't say... Yeah. He, he's like, women are mistreated in the workplace, but then he doesn't go the next step to say, and that's wrong. Yeah. It's more of like... I mean, I definitely feel like he's not pro-women being mistreated in the workplace, but... And I guess Stu does get his comeuppance at the end. Stu does. He gets fired. He doesn't... Yeah. Mr. Jack for all doesn't. eternity. Yeah. Her boss, nothing happens to. Yeah. And these are, like, actual assholes. Yeah. And she just does something that's, like, slightly morally ambiguous one time out of desperation. And then she goes to hell forever. Yeah. Especially when she's the one who decides, like, no, I'm not going to put this guy who is an asshole all the time. Yeah. To hell. Because she could have given it to Stu and then didn't. Yeah. And he would have ended up getting a quarter anyway. But, you know. Oh, God. I just wish she. Okay. I just feel like if you have something. She knew she gave him the quarter. She knew that. She knew she gave it to him in an envelope. If you have something that's, like, potentially going to fuck you over for the rest of your entire life always, Maybe and you're going to die, you like, just have look it. at it. Especially considering there's a point where she's, like, 100% convinced that she lost it, and then she finds it in her purse. She's like, oh, my God. And she doesn't, like, open the envelope to be like, yes, this is Right. Fun. She just, like, feels it. Yeah. That just feels like a uh, mistake and yeah. unrealistic. That one, I found that very, very frustrating, because you better believe, I mean, I check everything. Exactly. For, like, all send an email at work because I think I might have sent it to the wrong person even if I'm like pretty sure I sent it to the right person every single message I send to anyone at like work for example I'll read like three or four times before sending it I don't understand that I don't understand why she would do that she's so smart about everything else so yeah yeah I also do think something that's really interesting to talk about or just briefly mention is the fact that originally Ellen Page was supposed to be in this movie yeah. And then she left because she did not like the script. Yeah. I that's mean, just a, a fun fact. That, that makes think, sense to me, because honestly, if this movie was pitched to me, I'd be like, that's awesome. And then, like, you read in the execution, script. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's, mm, this is, like, weird, and I don't know if I want to be. I mean, like, the core concept is racist. The core concept's And all racist. of the accoutrements are, like, kind of sexist. Yeah. So, like... I understand that one. Being That's it. just such a big thing. It's like you can, because I don't. You can like look at it from all these other angles of like, yeah, it's like a, a, an interesting approach to like horror comedy, and like, yeah, it's really campy in some places, and like, oh, it's referential to all these other things. That's like bringing back old school horror and its original script and all that stuff. But like, it's still based around a really racist concept. Yeah, and that's like impossible to shake from the rest of it for me. It's just like. And I, I mean, I know that this was written like another, I think it was written several years before it even got made. I think it was like I'm sure it written was. in the late 90s, which and is like. even like the idea of it being racist, I think mm-hmm. is a relatively like new revelation for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I don't think that in 2009, I personally would have known how like racist Yeah, I don't think was. I necessarily would have picked up on it either, but it does make it. It mean the the time that it was released and then the incredibly rapid social change that has happened since yeah. then doesn't do it any favors at all. But anyway, overall, 
I didn't particularly enjoy this movie. I just felt really uncomfortable the entire time. Yeah. Um, for a variety of reasons, clearly. And it's not a movie I really plan on watching again. I yeah. do think there are some really positive things in it, but it's just... The execution not, is the, ex- not there. the execution fell flat for me. Yeah. And it had a chance to say a lot and then it didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of disappointing. It felt like it queued you up for something that it didn't actually deliver on. Yeah, and I kind of could tell it wasn't delivering on anything because it just being like, Oh, isn't this frustrating? Enjoy watching this. And I was like, yeah. I don't need to feel this frustrated in my right. life. Yeah. So So that's that's dragged me to hell. But the good news is that we're going to watch a movie that we know we both enjoy next time. Oh my god, next time we are watching, I feel like I say this a lot, one of my favorite horror movies, the OG, an OG, I think Nosferatu would be like the OG. Yeah, but I think it's like a OG movie. Yes. Um, we're gonna watch Psycho! Alfred yes. Hitchcock! Yay! I mean, I think it's gonna be great. We'll be able to make a lot of parallels to our episode in, on Scream. Oh my god. Here's the great thing. Every slasher ever references Psycho. Also that. So <laughs> like it's a, a handful of movies we've discussed. You've seen it. You've seen the shower scene. You've seen the... You've seen it. You've seen part of it, if you haven't heard any of it. There's that new song, Psycho, that's by somebody that... Is it features like a remix strings. of the... It's, okay, it's a bad mumblecore, or a bad mumble rap song. Um, and I don't know who it's actually by. I know that there is a song ca- called Psycho by Post Malone, but I don't think they're the same song. Maybe they are. But the sample in it is the, like, pew, 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 like, screechy, like, That's strings. Awesome. From, which is awesome. And I heard it, somebody, like, blasting it in my parking lot the other day, and I was like, yeah. And then, like, the rest of the song is just bad. I was like, ugh. I feel like if you're going to feature Psycho, then the song should be, like, really, really good. But it wasn't. But that's fine. We're going to watch it. Um, We're very excited about it. We're going to try and have that episode for you on the... 14th. Which is a... Saturday. Which is what our podcast is called. So, yeah. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook for maybe some exciting things coming up to celebrate our Saturday the 14th. We're very excited. Um... And so we want to share a little bit of that excitement with you. So keep an eye on our social media. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday the 14th. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Sat14thPodcast. Thank you. I... You have to do it every time. It's fine. We'll get it wrong. You can go to our website, which is SaturdayThe14thPodcast.com. You can send us... You can find all our contact information there. Send us an email. Drop us a line. Tweet at us. Say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Um, As always, we would love it if you would rate and review. That's how other people can find out about us. Yeah, help Um, us get found, fam. Yeah. uh, We really like doing this, and we would like to share it with more people. Um, So feel free to do that. And uh, we look forward to talking with you next time. Have a lovely evening. Drive safe. Day or morning, whenever you're listening to this. It could be any time of day. And I hope that it's going great for you. So, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. We love you. Mwah! <laughs>